She's not going to grow up and fly the nest. She's she's mine and my responsibility and I'm her carer forever. And that's a that's a harsh reality. Welcome to Raw the Podcast with Amy and Grecian, where we talk real and raw with mamas who have had to fight and be fierce, who have been thrown curveballs and faced adversity. We discuss everything from premature birth and NICU life, special needs and infant loss, to those everyday mum life struggles we all feel. Nothing is off topic. We hope that by opening up and being vulnerable, we can break down the walls and start to remove some of the shame and stigma associated with these traumatic experiences while helping other mamas feel less alone. I'm Amy, special needs and medical mama to Premier Boys James and Jack. I'm the founder of my own small business and support network, Miracle Mama, where I advocate fiercely for the infertility, Premier and special needs community. And I'm Grecian, mama of four girls, including two full-termers, Adeline and Macy, and a set of Premier twins, Hannah and Riley, born at 25 weeks. I'm an IVF warrior and am passionate about sharing the unfiltered ups and downs of motherhood. We don't share your average mama stories, and this isn't your average podcast. Raw is unrefined and breaks through the bullshit of navigating guilt, grief, and trauma. I mean, let's be honest, we've been through more shit than some could even imagine, so at this point we don't really have a filter. But with this being said, please note we do talk about sensitive topics in our episodes, which we know can be distressing. We give this warning simply to empower you, our audience, with the knowledge you need to make healthy decisions about how and if you should consume this podcast content. Please take care of yourselves and don't hesitate to ask for help if you need it. And lastly, let us assure you that it's not all bad and sad. It's a place to have real and raw conversations. Ask those questions that may be playing on your mind. And above all, we hope to shine a light on the life-changing perspective and appreciation that only these experiences can give you. We share the overwhelming joys and triumphs that our little miracles bring to our lives. And we discuss the inspiration and hope we have gained from this community. While our experiences are individually unique, we are forever a part of something truly special, a community of fierce mama bears and their cubs navigating the storm, and together we'll roar. Have you heard of Rudy Nudie waterproof playmats? Jackie, a Melbourne mum, launched Rudy Nudie back in 2018 based off her idea surrounding nappy-free time and the benefits of it for her own baby. We all know how messy nappy-free time can be, so after all sorts of setups, Jackie created her own design of Rudy Nudie waterproof playmats. I remember Jackie sending one of each of the twins the original EXO designs when they were babies, and boy, did we get a lot of use out of that. From playmats to tummy time to a change mat in the back of the car for the twins, these waterproof playmats had so many uses. Fast forward to 2023, Rudy Nudie has grown to three different sizes and eight designs, perfect for all things from toilet training to nappy free time to the beach, sensory play and picnics. We personally have four in different sizes for different uses. We love all of our Rudy Nudie waterproof play bats. Check them out on Instagram over at rudynudie underscore designs or online at rudynudiedesigns.com. They have kindly given us a discount code for our listeners to use RAW10, R-A-W-R-10 for 10% off. 
Welcome back, Roras. I'm excited to be back. Hi, Amy. Hey, Grecian. Wow, what a huge couple of weeks. I know. <laughs> like most weeks oh are huge gosh. for us, right? But I feel like, gosh, yeah. where to start again? <laughs> again, <laughs> as, as per normal. Yeah, I know. I say it every week. Mm-hmm. I don't know. You start. What's been going on? You had a dramatic day yesterday. Oh, yeah, mainly just... Just dramatic day yesterday for us here. Riley's tube came out. I think it's been coming out over the last couple of weeks um, because I swear the sticky on the tube, the bit that was under the sticky, had moved down. And I was like, Justin, that shouldn't be sticky on the tube. And he's like, no, nah, it's fine. And then she walked out yesterday morning and the tube was dragging on the floor. And I was like, her tube's not that long. <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, no. So I wound it up, came into the bedroom, called um, Justin and then she sneezed the rest of it out. So I did this massive sneeze and it came out and she was like in shock, like what just happened? Yeah, I saw her face in the um, photo you sent. She just yeah. looked like devastated. She's like, what? Yeah, she was. She was so devastated. Um, I can't believe you've gone this long without it being pulled out. Though. I know. That's epic. So good. Yeah. So, yeah. so, yeah. Once, once out of ten months that she's had it, it's but like good. you said, so. just three weeks before the pegs are pegs due to go I in, <laughs> like timing, Riley. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, at least it's three weeks and not like three days before the peg or something. So yeah, that's that's true. Yeah, uh, yeah. We just spent yeah. all day, all day in ED because she needs it under sedation, and um, you know has things get prioritized in ed and some things just it just takes a long time to get anywhere and they did have a few resus kids come in and different bits and pieces and trying to find the right tube for her and yeah so it just took all day and the tube yeah. insertion literally took less than 10 seconds yeah. the girl yeah. was so good yeah so good and then i was like she's like okay let me know when you're ready to go home and i was like she's still out of it so she took two hours to come out of the madras. oh god so you had to hang um, around for that but too. It was just a big, mm. big day when I was expecting to be home and do podcast stuff and do other things. Yeah. So yes. besides that, just plodding along, struggling with Riley's behaviours, trying to organise NDIS stuff, just the same old, same old. Yeah. Yep. That's my exciting week. The usual you? grind. Now you, you've got a, you've, yeah, you've had a crazier week. Oh yeah, well we've just we've had COVID, so that's been our week. Literally nothing else but COVID. Um, yeah, yeah. So Jack was quite unwell Anzac Day. It was had a fever and he was mm. uh, flat as attack, and his cough got really bad. And we pushed him out to sort of um Wednesday sorry that is Jack yelling at me in the background I do have him here with me to record the intro so <laughs> you may hear him calling out and coughing um but yeah he we pushed him out to Wednesday and spoke to his doctors and because he'd stopped the omeprazole for mm. the pH probe study that he was meant to have they were have. quite worried that he may have aspirated because yep. he yeah um so they said we need to present to ED um, and ED did a swab, of course, and I got that text message that oh, you get. No. I didn't even think, I literally didn't even think of COVID the whole time. 
Um, I was just putting it all down to I assumed he'd aspirated. And then as soon as I got that text message really fast, I was like, oh, my God, I bet you it's COVID. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't. And it was. Yeah. It was positive. I couldn't believe it. The, the staff were walking in to, like, do something. And I was like, by the way, guys, it's COVID. They, they didn't even know yet. They were like, oh, mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. Um, so, yeah, we were admitted purely because Mm-hmm. just for high risk factors with Jack. His x-ray was a bit mucky. Um, they put him on some more antibiotics. Yeah, he yeah. just finished his course of antibiotics, like his four-week Jack. course. So he got another <laughs> another few doses of that, I know. Um, and then he did need a sniff of oxygen overnight. His levels were pretty oh, low. So, yeah, we only stayed in for a little while. But um, I said I'd rather be at home with him to recover here. Yeah. He gets more sleep. I'm less stressed. Um, I'd rather be home. I can monitor him just as well at home. So we did that. He's still not great. We're a week later now and he's still not, definitely not back to normal. But Mm. again, who knows with Jack what's what now. So I feel like we're just, it's put us backwards essentially because we just got to where we needed to be with to get these tests done for his reflux. Finally somewhere with the tests, yeah. um, We kind of got on top of the wet cough. Yeah, yeah, and then bam that's just put us behind so Hmm. that's that we also had a really rough week obviously with willow's anniversary Mm. of her passing so that's been heavy and hard yeah um yeah it's been a hard week but otherwise i'm looking forward to getting back to normal life and getting outside (laughs) yeah oh i hate being stuck inside but yeah all right, on to some happier news. I wanted to say a huge thank you to everyone who messaged, shared, liked, followed, left reviews and five yeah. stars after our first episode back, just like we asked. Thank you. The response it was, was huge. Oh, my God, like, it was so huge. Yeah, we felt the love. Um, and not only, like, did we have – it was almost, I think, a record – number of listens in the first mm-hmm. 24 hours of dropping the episode like it was so many of you jumped on and listened straight away but we like we climbed up the charts like insane back to sort of where we were before we left off. we even wow. I haven't told you this Grecian but we debuted in the podcast charts in Thailand we're number eight what? in the parenting charts in Thailand I know how's cool. that yeah and like it was the episode I think with Tori, nurse Tori, that must have been shared over there because that's been getting a lot of love mm. in Thailand. Yeah, it's pretty cool. She must probably have a, f- a few followers over there. But interesting. Um, yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> I love getting our little updates every day on where we are <clears throat> in the charts, and mm. yeah, yeah. But we've received some lovely messages. Lots of you apologizing for not checking in during our little break (laughs) (laughs) lots of those yes yeah but so many of you pumping us up giving us an ego boost and of course um my biggest fan my mum her words were literally fuck I had to stop my walk to say welcome back lovely ladies (laughs) yeah she was so happy we were back um yeah she's so cute (laughs) so she did she stopped like because we said to stop listening and to send us some love so she stopped mid her walk and wrote us a message yeah (laughs) she's the best thanks yeah she's another listener who often messages after an episode um 
she wrote, just listening to your latest podcast, I was constantly checking to see if you had dropped a new episode, but I was also glad you were taking time for yourselves and for your families. Thanks for showing us medical mamas that it's okay to take a break from things if they're not serving you right now. And I really liked that one because I think, you know, the fact that we're pretty open and honest when we are struggling and can't drop episodes and you guys, it probably makes you guys feel a little bit better as Mm -hmm. well knowing that you know, we don't, we don't always cope. And Instagram, like we always say, paints a pretty picture that yes, you don't see the behind the scenes stuff. So yeah, there are times when we need a break, definitely. And yeah, give yourself permission to do that too. Mm-hmm. Um, we had a couple of new reviews on the Apple podcast too, which is amazing. I'll read a couple now. These girls are top tier. The way they so generously share their stories so that other families can feel less alone. I feel like they're just my besties and I wish at least one of them lived in Vic. Um, So, Victoria, love you, ladies. So glad you're back. (laughs) Wish one of us did live there too. (laughs) Then we'd be closer. (laughs) Well, I wish one of us just, I wish we just lived in the same state. (laughs) Yep. It'd make this whole shit internet issue a lot easier. A lot easier. <laughs> we could just get together and do it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one was, oh, ladies, this is a must listen for anyone with complex kiddos. Hearing the honest chat from mums who just get it is like free therapy. No false sunshine and rainbows here. Just sharing the challenges of this life we're living and celebrating the wins together. So beautiful. And it's so true. Yeah. So lovely. And the last one we'll share I'm a long-time listener and lover of Raw and follow you both on Instagram and the amount of times I have sat in my car nodding along saying to myself, yes, they get it, and it's not just me. Thank you for making us feel seen. There have been times I've had feelings and thoughts that I couldn't understand or felt ashamed of, but when I hear you guys talking with your guests about it, it's so healing. Your words and acknowledgement have literally mended my broken heart from the trauma of premature birth and everything that comes with it. Thank you. I know that one just got me. (laughs) Hit me right in the feels. Yeah. The fact that it's healing people and making people feel acknowledged and, yeah, that's huge Um, because it is such a lonely, lonely journey. Yeah. Sorry, guys, I've got a really broken voice right now. COVID has still got me. Um, but, yeah, let's let's just do – we're going to switch things up, switch this up, things up this time and do uh, something I want to forget and something I want to do again at the start of the episode. So, Grecian, I'll let you go. All right, so something I want to forget. I just want to forget that I spent the whole day in ED yesterday. Let's just move on from that. That's, yep, just going with that one. Mm -hmm. And something I want to do again, we had a really nice family day on Sunday, just doing bits and pieces around the house um, because Justin's at the Fire Brigade Academy full-time Monday to Friday now for the next couple of weeks. So we haven't really seen him during the Mm. week. So it was quite nice to just have a day at home doing nothing. Yeah. I want to do that again. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. It's funny, ours are so similar. Yeah. Um, you can all guess what my forget is, mm-hmm. COVID. Let's mm-hmm. forget that, never get it again if possible. Um, something I want to do again, same, similar to you, Grecian. There's not, mm-hmm. I found this hard this week, obviously. The last couple of weeks has been pretty, pretty awful. Um, but I would say just same thing, spending proper time 
as a family, especially yeah. with the boys in the school holidays. Um, there was a couple of days where, you know, they were playing in the backyard and I was just working in the garden or I was kicking the footy with James. Very it's just nice. the simple things this week. Yeah. That have made a difference, Simple. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when when it's, it has when it is crappy and sick kids, it's it really is. You just have to soak up the little things, simple things that you can. Yeah, 100%. so that's it for me this week. Yeah. But all right, we've got a guest this week, so let's get into the episode. I did just want to mention that alongside our usual giggles, there are quite a few raw, honest, and hard. Mm -hmm. but bloody relatable chats in this one. So please remember to look after yourselves and switch it off if you need. Have a break, come back to it if you can. Um, We won't judge. (laughs) Um, Remember to look after yourselves Mm -hmm. first and foremost. But um, Lizzie is so, uh, what's the word, just so, she's vulnerable but it's relatable, so relatable. And some of the stuff we shy away from talking about, some of the stuff that, you know, carries stigma um, that we feel ashamed Mm -hmm. of sometimes, she's open and honest. And I love that about her because it's going to hit home and be so relatable to so many. Yeah, I love her so much. Yeah, she's a good friend of Grecian's and she's um, been a long-time follower and, well, all of us have followed each other for quite a while. So if you want to look her up, she's mum of two pinks on Instagram. But, yeah, let's let her share her story and get into the episode now. So today we're chatting with our beautiful friend Lizzie, who is being super brave in opening up and sharing her story with us because it's only something she has recently started to do in a more public space. Lizzie is a mum of two girls, Phoebe, eight, and Georgia, who just turned seven yesterday. Happy birthday, Georgia. Happy birthday. After a lot of unknowns and tests in her first few years of life, Georgia was finally diagnosed at four years old with a rare genetic disorder called med 13L syndrome, which we are about to learn all about. But first, welcome, Lizzie. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> this is a cute little setup we've got happening here tonight. We've got, well, Grecian and Lizzie, you guys know each other. You live relatively close by and have become quite close too. So maybe you guys want to tell our listeners how you guys connected and became friends. And then I'll share the little setup you've got happening there tonight. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Well, Lizzie, uh, so I initially joined Instagram. Uh, my sister introduced me to it actually just to essentially cyberstalk people. <laughs> <laughs> I never planned on sharing anything of my own on there. Um, but Grecian was one of the first people that I came across and no. I sort of quite immediately could relate to her um, because of the NICU journey I suppose because Georgia had been in in neonate care when she was born so yeah and I just sort of started messaging bits and pieces you were telling me Riley was aspirating like that girl is aspirating yeah (laughs) that's right because I was sort of all on that and I Mm -hmm. kept finding like Riley walking in the background of stories and then would just aspirate on her water. I'm like, oh, excuse me, but yeah. did you know that your child is choking on her water? That's how we connected. Uh, yeah, from my child choking. Yeah, typical medical mum life. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yeah. yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you guys are sitting, I think you're at Lizzie's house, you're sitting in bed together <laughs> with your... Um... Well, yes, at the moment we're at Lizzie's house, sitting on her bed with books, <laughs> Harry Potter books, um. Beautiful home books and her 
children's what do you call this gym climbing climbing blocks, cubes block yeah. thing set up and it's just so as <laughs> long as we don't move and tip the whole thing we're fine yep <laughs> <laughs> sounds good so before we get stuck into all things georgia lizzie can you tell us a little bit about yourself and something you love to do outside of being a mum? yeah this is <laughs> it's a tough question it's a it's a really tough question to start with um because it leads me straight to say that it's a question that I don't like being asked. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a question that's really hard to answer because I don't, I don't have an identity outside of being George's mum. Um, yeah. I often say particularly going to social events and meeting new people. Um, one of the first things that people tend to do is say, you know, oh, tell me about yourself or what do, do you do? do? Yeah. Um, and I don't have an answer for what do you do that doesn't um, put me into a really tricky, deep mm. situation with people really mm. quickly. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I find that one tricky. That said, outside of being a mum, if I had to say something, I'd say I like opportunities to style my house. Yes. Go for a walk. Yep. Go op shopping. Yep. <laughs> tick, tick, Which tick. I did today. <laughs> so you're Grecian number two. Yeah, I'm Grecian number two. We actually went to the same op shop at different times today. Yep. Oh, wow. <laughs> And that's, that is something, that is you outside yeah. of being mum. You still have things that you enjoy and that bring you joy and, you know, you have passions outside of all yeah. of that and it doesn't. Yeah. And like being a mum is yeah. always. It's just that sort yeah. of feeling of like lacking in identity. Oh, absolutely. Out in Georgia that I don't have a label for myself. It's a very important conversation. I'm glad you said it because yeah. I think so many in this space would be feeling exactly the same. Um, and I don't really enjoy that question either. Mm. It is hard when when that's all that you feel that you are um, and people expect you to have this whole yep. other life that's, you know, mm. self-care and indulgent and it's not the reality. It's, yeah, it's not a reality. For a lot of us. So Yes. Yeah. All right, so where did your story begin with Georgia and when did you start to notice that something wasn't quite right? Where did we begin? So basically when Georgia was born she it's it it sounds funny now years and years later but she was born with a really large tongue so we're allowed to giggle now it's okay for the first couple of days of her life she um poked her tongue out um all the time we didn't mm. we didn't know at the time but it, it actually didn't fit inside her mouth um we just wow. kept, you know, nursing stuff kept coming in and saying, oh, stop poking your tongue mm, out at yeah, me. Yeah, thinking it's really cute. And then there was a certain point when I turned to my husband and I said, uh, have you ever seen the baby's mm. tongue inside her mouth? And um, we both sort of went, no. Um, then she was, we were unsuccessful breastfeeding, which was the case with my older daughter anyway, so that was sort of no biggie for me. Mm. Um but then she started um, having great difficulties with bottle feeds even um, very, very quickly pushing the bottle away and getting really distressed and unsettled with bottle feeding. 
um, she was actually turning blue around her mouth um, and I was told by midwives, uh, it's okay, she just needs a burp because I yeah. actually said to them, my my baby's going blue and they was like, oh, it's just mm. wind, she just needs burping. They're typical, it's wind, it's that if they're blue around the yeah. mouth, you just burp them and they'll be okay. But, but I sort of I said to my husband, Mm. this is our second baby she never yeah. she never turned blue <laughs> i don't think this is okay she shouldn't be pushing bottles away she should want yeah, she should to be fed. hungry she's a new baby um, yeah. that's right yeah yeah um so we were basically just sort of discharged from hospital with reflux meds um and a special formula and that was it it wasn't until we actually ended up back in hospital that same day because uh, four hours at home um, of refusing feeds and turning blue. Mm. Back then I wasn't a medical mum, so I called mm -hmm. Health Direct and just said, what do I do? Uh, and they said, take your baby to hospital. I said, I don't even know what hospital. Like, what are you talking about? And they said, take her back to where she was born. So we did. Yeah, okay. Yeah. She was already dehydrated. Um, mm. which was pretty horrifying. For so a newborn, yeah. for a newborn, she was uh, an IV put straight in. Um, yeah, and we sort of, she ended up staying in neonate care for something like three weeks, I think. Um, mm. NG fed every test under the sun as to what was sort of going on. Acting really, really prim, yeah, struggling okay. to yep. maintain body temp, mm. um, difficult to rouse for feeds, all that sort of stuff. But she was born at 37 weeks, so something yeah. just wasn't really adding up. Yeah. It wasn't until several months later that things started to sort of unravel further. Mm. Did the doctors have anything they initially thought was the cause of it besides thinking it was reflux to start with from the nurses? Did they have any other kind of guesses at that stage? Um. So the first thing they said was because she's got an enlarged tongue um, and because she's having feeding issues, they thought that it could be a syndrome called Beckwith-Wiedemann syndrome, mm -hmm. um, which is characterised by feeding issues, an enlarged tongue um, and an increased risk of tumours and possible okay. cancer. Um, so that was terrifying. Big scary words, um, yeah, I reckon. We had, <laughs> yeah. We had to wait a couple of weeks um, for those results. And I remember very clearly um, going back in to get the results and they said it's negative and I've never been so relieved in my life. Mm. And I told my whole family it's negative. See, I knew it. There's nothing wrong with her. She's fine. She doesn't She doesn't have it. And I thought that was going to be the the end of that genetic and syndrome kind of side mm. kind of side yeah. of the story and yeah. it was only the beginning yep so then what what happened from there so obviously went home did she get any better with her feeding so we went home um georgia went home with an ng tube uh and again not being the medical mum that i am now back then i was absolutely hor horrified to I, I didn't know that babies could come home with NG tubes. So yeah. I was um, terrified when we were discharged from hospital. Um, we were sent home with daily nursing checks. Uh, it was really 
it was really horrible and confronting time actually because uh, the nurse would come out each day, check her temperature, check her weight, um, and we were told every day if she's not maintained her temp and if she hasn't put on that set amount of weight that we'd have to take her straight back in. So, yeah, we managed to keep her home. Um, She was tube-fed. We just thought she's just young, she's acting prim. And she'll just grow out of it. She'll just grow out of it. It'll be fine. Um, The NG came out after a bit and we went back to bottle feeding. Um, It's all a bit of a blur, but I felt like that was fine just for a really short period of time and then things started to get really hard again with bottle feed. She started refusing them, becoming really distressed. Was Um, she aspirating on the bottle then as well? I didn't know that that's what was happening. What was going on. But yes. yes. Um, Obviously there was a reason for a baby to not be wanted yet. Um, Yeah. On my birthday actually, um, she, so she would have been, she was about two and a half months old. Yeah. Um, we were at the zoo. We were trying to do a, a typical family. This was literally our first attempt at a family outing. Mm. And we took bottles with us um, and we tried to give her a feed and she refused her feeds the entire time we were there. And I said, that's it, we're going to have to take her to hospital. So we took her to the children's hospital at the time and... She stayed overnight. They weighed nappies. They mm. said she's fine. Go home. Mm. What? Yeah. Um, it was ridiculous because I knew something wasn't right. Yeah. Um, it was the the very start of the frustrations. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, we went home, and of course things were no better. So I remember calling the neonatalist that we had when she was born, uh, and his receptionist said he's on leave and I became hysterical on the phone and said he needs to see my baby because there's something not something okay. Right. Yeah. Um, he actually agreed to just come in to his clinic and see her. Oh, wow. Wow. Thank the Lord. Um, because he said like strip her off, put her on the table. I want to examine her and Do he full examination. Yeah. Yeah. He very quickly discovered that she wasn't, she wasn't okay, basically. Um, he said there's something not right with her tone. Again, back then I didn't even know what tone was. Yeah. Um, and he said, has she ever smiled? And I felt like the biggest idiot because I'd already had a baby and it hadn't even occurred to me that they should be smiling. Uh, yeah, them. that she yeah. should be smiling. Um, and I said, no. Um, and he said, I'm quite, I'm quite concerned. And he admitted her. What a man. Thank God. Like you said, God. Yeah. Like, cause who else do you turn to? Oh, I know. I know. Um, yeah, that, that first doctor at the first hospital was so arrogant and dismissive. dismissive. Mm. Um, very dismissive. Yeah. Um, I think we've all been, I've learned better now. I think we've all dealt with one of those. Yeah. 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 Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a joke because she was admitted back into the neonates ward. <laughs> um, and everyone was like, why is there a giant baby? Yeah, yeah, I was going to say that. Yeah. Because yeah, they don't um, usually do that. No, but he didn't, 
it was him and he was a neonatalist and he had nowhere else to put her. So um, they had to borrow a cot instead of the little the humidity group. Mm, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And she stayed there for uh, a week and he Scott, got there's a, out. There's a reflection. <laughs> Sorry. What's he doing? Scott's walking around naked. I'm like. <laughs> oh, we can't see. We can't see. He nearly walked in front of the window here. I'm like, they're going to see the reflection. Hi. It's nice to meet you. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, sorry. Oh, sorry, boy. Lizzie. We're worried that's... about the dog. Yeah, yeah, no, that's the first time that's happened. No naked husband's here. Oh, shit. <laughs> nope. All right, keep going. Sorry. Now okay. that I got you lost on your I track. Know what were you saying? Oh. <laughs> oh, the testing that she was there for a week. Oh, she was there. For, yeah, so she was there for about a week. Um, that's right. And then they got a um, ophthalmologist in. I didn't know what an ophthalmologist was. This is how much I've learned in seven years. Come to think of it, yeah, mm-hmm. a lot. Um, and he checked her eyes out and said, "You need to go straight to PMH to the Children's Hospital now um, for an emergent brain MRI." And it was sort of. What are you talking about? Yeah, that's a huge slap in the face. It was. Um, and I'll never forget that because uh, he phoned ahead to the oh, Children's Hospital, organised that we were coming. We were horrified, um, really scared, uh, and then we got there and we lined up at triage and sat in the emergency oh, department. PMH was shit. Terrible. my language, but it was so bad. It was so like, bad. If anyone was going to PMH, yeah. Horrible. So we just we were back at the beginning. Like mm. there, there was no point in him Even trying that. to make those. Good. Anyway, we ended up being admitted under neurology there, and we were there for weeks. Um, so it was at that point that I knew that something was really, really wrong. Basically, so um, did he tell you the reason that she? Oh, the reason we were sent over for the emergent MRI. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> was because she had a droopy eyelid um yeah now we know that she she was born that way but i think it's just that no one had noticed it previously so they thought that Mm. she had had a stroke or like a neurological episode that caused the droopy eyelid right yeah yeah um but while we were there we were told she's completely blind she can't see anything at all um she was not reacting to light, movement, nothing. Um, We were told they thought she was deaf. Thankfully, they were proven wrong there. Um, I couldn't even imagine being told that, though. Yeah. And at such a young age. At that point. Like, it's not easy at any age, obviously, but, like, you were just, you're still in the newborn stage. Like, this is meant to be the most joyful time of your life yeah thinking back on it I was a zombie yeah I honestly don't think I took any of it actually in in a state of shock she it you know I saw other babies at the hospital and that sort of made me realize what what I had because I remember she just laid on her back in the cot 
and did nothing. Mm. Did she move? Like, you know, like no. the newborns, like, have that jerky no. kind of movement She around. was a blob. Mm. She, she did nothing. Um, and they, uh, I remember saying someone, uh, someone saying to me, this is it, this is, this is all that she is likely to be. Mm. We, were, we were honestly told that she would lay in a bed. Mm. That's yeah. horrible. Yeah. So then after the MRI, what, mm. what, did you, what did those result, results show? Did you know more or were there further mm. tests? Where, what did that all lead to? Yeah, that, that admission showed nothing. And this, nothing came up in the MRI. No, okay. wow. so this is a story for yeah. years, <laughs> years. Yeah. So they did, uh, they did the brain MRI. They did abdominal ultrasounds. They they, they every scanned test. every part of her body. They took endless amounts of blood and urine and ran every test for endless amounts of syndromes. And everything came back negative or inconclusive, inconclusive. As, as they like to say. Um, so did you feel like you would never find the answer then? Absolutely. Um, I, I mean, we were told by doctors, you'll probably never know. Um, and that maybe with medical advancements in the future, yeah. You know, maybe in adulthood there's the potential that you may figure this out, but most likely you need to accept that you're not going to know. She has something, but we don't know what. Exactly. Pretty much. Exactly. And even that in itself, like in a way, I know so many people who would prefer, well, most of the time we would prefer to at least have an answer. You know, there's yeah. so many times people go yeah. into these tests going, oh, I absolutely. just want to know, but I just want knowing. an answer. Even if like, even if that's not what you want at the end of the day, like, you, yeah. don't, you know, but then you have an answer and you know what to expect and you can put plans into place, but the unknown is the worst. Yeah. The, the not knowing was, was horrible. It was horrible. Um. And it wasn't only the not knowing, but it was the constant um, guesses, if you like, mm. from from the medical professionals. I mean, I don't I don't know if either of you guys have ever been to a genetics appointment. No, they're very confronting. Mm. They are very confronting. You essentially sit there with a group of medical professionals who pull apart every negative detail detail of your child mm. and then try and see if you have it too mm. amazing how that, nice is that it's lovely oh. um it's pretty hard to take yeah. um yeah and i'm a planner i like to know i like i've i've always had a very set plan for my life from a very young age i knew what my children were going to be called, what career I would have, yeah. what kind of home I would live in. I, I'm i an endless planner and I had no idea. That, to have that thrown, like I'm tearing up, to have that thrown upside down, like. Mm. 
And some of the things, some of the guesses of things that they thought it could be, every time they threw a guess on the table, um, you'd go home and, of course, you'd investigate it for yourself. And some of the guesses, then you'd you'd think, okay, this is what it is. This is the life that I have. And then they'd change the goalposts again and say, no, 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 now this is what we think it is. And so you'd go home and you'd research that one. The goalposts were just constantly changing. Like fucking whiplash, like constantly, yeah, going from one constantly like one thing to the next and never like how unsettling Mm. is that and finding yourself thinking i'd rather this syndrome than that one yeah like playing like that game these trade-off games with yourself yeah yeah oh god yeah so this went on for how how many years then before you obviously got an answer um Oh, it felt like forever, but um, Georgia was eventually diagnosed when she was four. Mm-hmm. Did she change or improve at all in that time? Mm. So G- Georgia gained um, vision. That's amazing. <laughs> You've got no idea. The day that I knew that she could see, I was doing what every mum does with their baby, even though to me, she was blind. Yeah. Um, she was laying on her back on the floor and I was above her poking my tongue out and making silly faces in her face. And I thought she's really, her eyes seem to be on my face, but they can't be. Yeah. Um, and then she poked her tongue out at me like I was doing at her. Oh. And Mm. I remember vividly my dad was sitting on the couch um, next to me at the time and I went, Dad, and he went, I saw it, do it again. Yeah. Um, And I did it again and she did it again. Speaking of tearing up. (laughs) We just screamed and cried. Um, Oh, man. And I called my husband and he sort of, wouldn't let himself I say, believe, didn't believe that, it, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so we went back and had a review with the ophthalmologists and they said she can see, yeah. So um, wow. she had what's known as delayed visual maturation. So um, her optic nerve and her eye and everything was functioning fine. Um, it's It's... Honestly, what they describe as a medical phenomenon Mm, that um, for some reason, some babies are born with everything there to see, but they don't. Connected pretty much. Yeah. And they said she'll either gain vision or she won't and she'll be blind forever. So, yeah, four and a half months she gained some vision, but she was legally blind for 12 months. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And did she like improve like, with her milestones in any other way before her diagnosis over those years? She she couldn't sit at her first birthday. She walked at about two. Mm-hmm. Um, no signs of any language. Yeah. So Georgia's motor skills have always been her strength, mm-hmm. um, but no signs of any language or 
for lack of a better word, much cognitive ability. Yep. Um, yep. Yeah. So by four, by the time she was diagnosed, she was considerably delayed by that point. Yeah. Compared to her peers in many aspects yep. as well. Across the board. Across the board. Yeah. 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 Yep. Yep. So she she had the diagnosis of global developmental delay mm, um, yeah. from under two, um, which allowed us to gain funding and therapy support and all those things that were really important. Um, yeah. yeah, and then that was replaced with Med13L. So then going on to Med13L, mm. how did they find it was that like was there something that triggered them to like test for that one or how do they test for that one? Like, no. How did it come about? Yeah. Um, freaky chance, basically. Freaky chance. So uh, we had a review with genetics and this was, you know, oh, two years following the first genetics assessment that we'd had. Mm-hmm. Um. And they reviewed sort of where she was at. And by that point, she was displaying lots of autistic-like tendencies as well. So that geneticist said, look, this trial has come up in the eastern states um, where they're asking for kids who are displaying autistic-like tendencies um, and they're offering free whole exome sequencing. So we were offered whole exome sequencing at the initial genetics assessment, um, but it was like Mm, $10,000. God. And they said the likelihood of it coming back showing anything is 3%. Wow. And at that point it wasn't something that we could do. So, but when this opportunity came up for it to be covered for us, throw your hat in the ring basically. That's what we did. Um, but they honestly said, do not get, don't get your hopes up. Don't get excited mm-hmm. by this. Yeah. You've got a 3% chance of us finding anything. Yeah. And I honestly went into it thinking nothing. Mm. Uh, the day the geneticist rang and she introduced herself on the phone, I thought, I know where this conversation's going. I've had this conversation so many times. Mm. I was literally saying the words inconclusive in my head. Mm. And she said, we found something. Mm. Um, She said it's called Med13L syndrome. And I said, what? Yeah. What did you say? And she had to say the letters out for me and I wrote it down on a piece of paper and I said, okay, what does this mean? Yeah. And she said, I don't know. I've never heard of it before. What? Wow. Um, nobody knows anything. I was going to say, well, like on lots of the genetic syndromes, there's just no, if there's no cases, then they don't, they, there's, they're, it's still unknown. It's just an, it's just a name for it now, I guess. Mm. Mm. So she said from what she could find, there was about 250 in the world yeah, and that it had been discovered two years prior. Yeah, okay. Um, and that the only way it was being found was through the whole exome sequencing at that point in time. And that's it. That's all they could give you. That's all they could give me. Yeah. 
So then what do you go do after that? I Google. Yeah. <laughs> I Google. Yeah. Uh, I Googled. Um, I found the world's smallest list of <laughs> characteristics <laughs> that were pretty well the characteristics of most syndromes that I had already yeah. read about. Yeah. Um, so I was like, what makes this one any different? different? To, yeah. But social media yeah, social came media. through and I found a Facebook group yeah. with families and I said, I'm here, I'm in Australia, my daughter's just been diagnosed and within minutes people were responding to me, um, even other families in Australia, and I remember typing to one woman, I've got the strongest urge to get on a plane and come to you right now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. because I need my people <laughs> she'd had the diagnosis for over a year and mm. had had time and I was just trying to process the whole thing mm. yeah the overwhelming sense of relief yes you knew what it was oh there's that answer finally finally an answer finally no more guesses finally no more Moving the goalposts. Moving the goalposts. Yeah. No more blood taken. No more urine taken. No more Googling horrific, horrendous things that it could be. Um, yeah. We didn't have many answers, but we had an answer for the first time. And you could probably for the first time just be able to sit still with that. Like That's the other thing. Like You're, you're so unsettled in the unknown, whereas when you finally get that answer, you can just sit with it. And be like, like you said, that sigh of relief and just feel a sense of calm, like, you know, not have this unknown just rattling around in your brain mm. constantly. Mm. Absolutely. I would spend hours and hours trying to figure out what it was myself. Yeah. <laughs> Putting like things together, guessing. Oh, and I would present it to the medical staff and they were blown away. They they were like, we hadn't come up with that one, but I absolutely understand where you're coming from. Like I still spend hours and hours researching. <laughs> you do. <laughs> <laughs> nothing's, nothing's really changed in that respect, but at least I know what I'm researching now. Yeah. yeah. I'm researching one thing and I'm becoming an expert in that one thing. And you can talk yeah. to other people about, like you said, you found people that have experience with it and you can talk to those people about oh, it. Yeah. That Facebook group has been a godsend. Um, just, just knowing that there are other people in the world and, like, we're talking people will write responses from Mexico and Mm. like all these different countries and it will actually come up in different font because it's written in a different language and then and then you have to write C translation which is pretty phenomenal but knowing that other people somewhere in the world are living a somewhat similar journey and I say somewhat because they all kind of slightly differ they do yeah, which um, makes it hard in a way. Which makes it very hard. Georgia is actually the only one in the world documented to have her specific variant of wow. the syndrome. So, uh, and we're not, I've got a lot of medical knowledge from being her mum, but genetics 
is really complex. Mm. So my understanding when it comes to genetic variants is is limited. So knowing quite how that affects her is still something I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Mm. With the genetics side of it, mm. are you, I don't know how to say it, but are you guys carriers for it or how does yeah. it come Good about? Question. Do you know? You've just reminded me of something really, and a really important part of our journey. And that, so the answer to that is no, we're not carriers of it. Okay. Um, so, how does it come about then? Yeah. Yeah. My husband's blood and my blood have both been tested. Mm. And our, so MED13L is a gene that everybody, every human carries. Mm-hmm. And our genes are both fine. So it's like playing the lottery. So it's literally it's just chance. literally pure chance. So for wow. years, particularly my husband spent a very long time thinking, what did we do? Mm. Is it something that we made happen? Yeah. Is it something I did during the pregnancy? Should I have not eaten that food that day? Mm. Did we spend too much time on our mobile phone? Like what made this happen? Yeah. That was taken off the table that day Mm. because we knew it was playing the genetic lottery. Um, Again, kind of another sigh of relief. You could put that aside. It wasn't anything you guys did. To know I didn't do it to my baby. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It was a huge, huge sense of relief to know that everyone plays that lottery. There are there are disabled people in the world and we went through a time of why me, why us? But I feel like when you say that, it's like, well, why the person down the street? Mm. Or why my friend or why... You know, like it it has to happen to someone. That's just the way of the world. That's actually, there's a quote in um, Mel's book special, I'm pretty sure, that says something like that, like why me? And then they're like, well, why not me? Why not us? Yeah. Yeah. That's the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We want to win the lottery. (laughs) (laughs) We never win that. We won it with Georgia. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So Georgia's obviously seven now. What's what does that look? What does she look like yeah. now? Is that her only diagnosis? Um, what's the sort of a day in the life look like with Georgia? So a day in the life with Georgia, in one word, hectic. Mm. Absolutely, absolutely hectic. <laughs> from from the minute that kid wakes up, it's uh, it's like hurricane georgia i say to people very often that she's got two modes and that is awake and that is just endless and then asleep and that's it and there's no there's no nothing in between you you can't put that kid in front of a movie you know it's that's there's no downtime at all yeah so she's got a lot of diagnoses 
a long list of diagnoses and they all come under that umbrella of MED13L. Like they're all like characteristics, if you like, of MED13L. Yeah. Um, so she's autistic. She's got ADHD. She's got dystonia, um, which is a neurological movement disorder, which, um, gives her a lot of pain um, and can make coordination really tricky for her, uh, particularly eating. Um, mm-hmm. She's also got dysphagia, which I know both of you are very, very, yeah. 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 very, very aware <laughs> of. Um, we have that in common. Yeah. Um, what else? Oh, epilepsy. Mm-hmm. Um so we share that journey yep together with our two um but if you're asking me what or which of her diagnoses affects our day-to-day life the most i would say her behavioral issues okay that's uh sorry she's also intellectually disabled. i was gonna say is there an intellectual Um, disability yeah okay yeah there is yeah so um I think a lot of your listeners would um, know that the GDD or that Global Developmental Delay Diagnosis um, has, like, for lack of a better word, an expiry date. Yes. Um, yeah. yeah, that's that's a diagnosis given under six and then it's are they or aren't they considered to be either autistic or intellectually disabled or both. So yeah. she's both. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that one was a really hard pill to swallow, mm. the intellectual disability. Yeah. That was a really uh, – all the other sort of um, minor diagnoses or diagnoses that sort of come under that MED13L um, bracket I sort of got on with. But for some reason that, yeah, that intellectual disability, that that hurts. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah, but day to day, she's she's classified as having severe behaviour. Yeah, okay, and it's really hard going. Yeah. Do you want to give an example of like what you mean by severe behaviour? Because mm. obviously, I've seen it firsthand. Yeah. Um, how it, how she is day to day. I've seen her like eat, drink, all of that stuff, but our listeners wouldn't have. So, no. what does that mean? That, if you're okay explain yeah 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 um she if every task th- throughout the day is a huge challenge so from the minute that she gets up you think a, a, a neurotypical seven-year-old she's seven now it would be go and get yourself dressed mm. Georgia doesn't have the motor skills, the intellect to do that task independently. On top of that, she thinks it is absolutely hysterical to make that task as difficult as possible. Mm-hmm. And by difficult as possible, I mean kicking, rolling away, running bog laps around the house, 
digging her fingernails into my arm until it bleeds, mm. pulling my hair. And I'm not talking a little pull. I'm, I'm talking oh, no. using my hair as a bungee rope, I often say. Yep. 100%. And I, you can see the scars like on Lizzie's arms and feet like from Georgia doing that. That's how vicious, I suppose, a better word it is. Yeah, I don't know what. Yeah. So we have a, we've got a behavioural specialist engaged as part of Georgia's quite extensive community team. And um, she has 20 something years experience working with children with severe behavioural difficulties. And she is saying that Georgia is the most complex that she's wow. come across. Mm. <laughs> I feel like we, when we do things, we do it well. Yes, she does. She does it very well. Interesting <laughs> how you were told that she might never yeah. move. Oh, now she runs. What you're doing? Now she with. runs. How's that for a 360? He's she's strong. She's, she's very strong. She's insanely yeah. strong. Yeah. Just the difference from like, like when what you were told as a newborn. It's insane. Insane. I know. And. When, when you reflect back to she may never walk mm. and then you see her hysterically mm. laughing and bolting towards the road, it's, <laughs> mm. you know, it's, mm. it's funny but it's not funny, really. So, yeah, uh, yeah. day to day um, I get hurt a lot and then mm. I get up and I do it all again the next day, basically. Do you have support? Like, do you have help or it's just you? Like, are you dealing with that every day? Or do, do you have a carer or someone that comes in and like a support so someone that can take some of that from you? Yeah. We've, we have finally, after years of fighting and crying and getting to a really bad, scary place, we finally got an amazing team of support. Good. Basically. Yeah. So uh, I have support from basically the minute she gets up in the morning to the minute she goes to bed at night. Okay. Yeah. Which some of your listeners may think that's so much help. How come she gets that much oh, help? Oh, no, trust me, they'll be like cheering um, for you. <laughs> I hope, I hope they cheer for me. I hope they cheer yeah. for me. I think we're a very understanding community <laughs> here. Yeah. I sometimes have a sense of guilt almost that I get the amount of help that I get. Maybe you um, deserve it 100% and you need it. I was going to say, isn't that ridiculous when you're just describing how hard it is? Yeah, that's what I mean. And yet we still have this guilt even though it's clear yeah, that it's mum guilt. You, you need it's it. Mom guilt. You need Big that. Big time mum guilt. Mm. Yeah, it is. Yeah, we all feel it. And yeah. I say it In to my ways, support yeah. workers daily yeah uh if i sit and Mm. try to have a cuppa while i have a support worker over i feel guilty it's terrible it's something i need to work on Mm. yeah then so on top of your support workers that you've got you've also got absolutely amazing parents that are currently sitting are they still i'm assuming they're still sitting out there (laughs) watching we should get them to come say hi yeah they should come (laughs) say hi Watching Riley and Phoebe while yeah. they're watching a movie. Yes. Um, so they they are just amazing. Um, like there's no words. 
no, I want a clone of your parents. Yeah. I love my parents too, but like, I just, I need to clone your support workers and your parents. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to work out a sublet system. Yeah. It's okay. <laughs> um, like, I don't know. It's funny that we say that they're, they are amazing, but now that I am a mum too, I'm like, they're honestly doing what I what I would do yeah. myself. Yeah. Don't you think? Yeah. Um, like when Georgia was readmitted back to hospital when she was a couple of months old um, and when things sort of started to unravel and, and we sort of understood that she was going to be disabled, mm. my parents were actually in Melbourne at the time on a much-needed holiday and they jumped on some midnight ungodly hour flight and they were back. Yeah. Like that's them. They would do anything. Let's go. Sorry, I want to quickly go back to the um, when you talked about fighting. (laughs) I'm guessing you've had to fight the NDIS a few times over. Talk us through that. Um, Georgia actually... I was saying this to you earlier, Grecian. Georgia actually belonged mm. to the disability community here in Perth before NDIS was rolled out over here. Um, ah, there you go. So she actually started her journey, um, her funding journey, um, with something called Better Start Funding. Um, and then with the Disability Services Commission funding. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we were really scared of NDIS. Um, when we were told that it was going to roll out, there was quite a negative vibe here in Perth about it coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so when we had our first NDIS meeting, I walked into it not knowing a thing. Mm-hmm. Not knowing a thing. We got our plan I had no idea whether it was a good plan, so to speak, whether it was yeah. adequate money for the situation that we had. And well, you were like a guinea pig. Yeah. All the first plans were just like a trial, I guess. Absolutely. For everybody, for the NDIS reps and for the participants, I feel. No one knew what they were doing. Yeah. Um, so we sat with it, we rolled with it, we used it. We yeah. felt like it didn't meet George's needs, but we thought, well, that's what it is. Um, we didn't know any better. We were scared off of doing reviews initially because we were told that it was frowned upon and that you could come out with less. Oh, my gosh. Honestly. Honestly, this is this is where it started. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so I think we had a couple of plans and then... I started to go, no, I I am really not coping. Um, and just actually having said I am not coping, I realised that I'm making it sound like it's about me and not about my child who was the actual participant. I understand that. But George's behaviour was getting to a point where I couldn't manage her any longer. Um so it wasn't enough. It wasn't enough therapy budget that I felt like she was yeah. achieving anything. Mm. I had heard of the concept of support workers, 
back then and I thought, well, Mm -hmm. I feel like I need help. Can I get me one of those for lack of a better way of saying (laughs) it, you know? Um, Yeah. So and at the end of the day, the NDS is there to support you as their parents as well, because if you're not supported, then you can't support your child. And that's another misconception, I think, that, you know, when we talk about the NDIS, we we can't talk about ourselves as our parents, but it so is in place for us as well. Like there's no yeah. way we can support our kids if we're fucking drowning no. and not coping. No. Yeah, Absolutely. So I went for a review. Um, We were given three hours a week of support work when I did the maths. Three Mm. hours a week. What is that going to do? I I didn't even understand how I could possibly use three hours a week because I thought my child doesn't like new people. Three Mm. hours a week and the minimum shift yeah, I was going to say, is there it's three hours? Yeah. So you couldn't even split mm. up? No. Like? No. So it was either multiple shifts for a week and then nothing or one shift a week. It, it was a nightmare. Um, but finally, after literally sobbing on the phone hysterically to one of the um, review panel members, um, of NDIS, he said, do you know what? I can hear the distress in your voice. I'm going to throw you 10 hours of support coordination. Just like that? Just like that. I don't think he liked the girl crying on the phone scenario. (laughs) It worked for me in this case. That appealed to his, (laughs) yeah. Not that I would ever use crying to get get my way. (laughs) So anyway, I was given 10 hours of support coordination. I didn't even know or understand what a support coordinator was. I Googled. I found someone and I said, can you help me? And they said, that's a really small budget, but I'll see what I can do. They read George's current NDIS plan at that point in time and they heard my story of my day-to-day life and what her diagnoses were and they said they don't go together Mm. that's yeah the the plan and the child Mm. that you have don't go together and I went what Mm. and she said I have other clients like what you're describing or this sounds terrible, but, but le- like less disabled or less challenging than your child and they are getting twice what you're getting, if not more. Yeah. So with her help, we changed mm-hmm. therapy providers. We got evidence mm-hmm. and bucket loads of evidence. Um, and, and this lady, this support coordinator, changed our life. They do. Yep. <laughs> she used that 10 hours and 18 hours on top of it in kind, in mm, her words. Wow. Yeah. And she tripled our budget. Yeah. yeah. Insane. Insane. She tripled our budget. Since that plan, I think we're now on to th- three or four mm. more easily because things have just spiraled. Yeah. 
Georgia has become more challenging, but with each new member that we've added to the team, I think that's the difference. Yeah. Each new member that we've added to the team has made new discoveries about where she's at and what she requires and mm-hmm. we just keep reviewing and keep reviewing and yeah. we've got to a place where I can actually say we have a good plan and mm. not a lot of people say that I feel yeah. but we have a good plan yeah. and that's taken how long to get there though and how much fighting years. you have to do and providing that amount of evidence like you said that you the, collected the evidence mm. uh, like I'm talking we we the email that we submitted to NDIS with the evidence attachments there were 24 attachments and each report was 20 something pages. pages yeah you know we just hammered them we threw everything we could at drown them in paperwork (laughs) we drowned paperwork yeah Yeah. but we got there yeah we won that round Uh, yeah yeah until next time (laughs) well until the your latest latest one has been latest 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 one has been in regards to the peg so she has just recently got a peg so She's like Jack and Riley, how you mentioned before, that she aspirates mm-hmm. um, and she has trouble swallowing with that tongue. Like I was going to mention earlier, she still has that tongue sticking out now. It's, it's cute. It's cute. It's cute. It's very cute. She can She can put it in she her She grew mouth into now. her tongue. Yes, <laughs> she can. She doesn't walk around with it permanently yeah, hanging no, out. But it is cute. Yeah, but as soon as she's tired, it does come out. Or seizing, it it comes out. Not cute when she's seizing, but yeah. Um, How is she going on the peg? How has that made a difference to your life? Can you give a bit of a backstory on how that came about and why the peg actually went in? Mm. So like I said, Georgia's, Georgia's had feeding issues since day dot mm-hmm. um but particularly um hydration so basically since the ng tube was taken out and once it was reinserted she had it for 12 months really so she had it up until she was about a year old and then um and then it was taken out so between the age of one and what six and a half yeah, yeah yep we it it sounds horrible to say now but we pretty well danced a dangerous mm. line you did we did yep um but we didn't know any better um until now um and actually amy you you have a big part to play in that yeah, okay that you Probably didn't know until now. No, well, I don't know. <laughs> but you did. Yeah. What did I do? Yeah. What did I do? <laughs> I was like, uh. <laughs> One of those huge misconceptions about pegs is, in my mind, they belonged in somebody who couldn't move, mm. who was in a wheelchair, who couldn't or who couldn't eat. Do things. Yeah. Um, yeah. I didn't think that my vivacious constantly on the move Mm. child would require or could ever be considered for a pet yeah 
an NG tube was no longer an option for us because, like I said, my hair gets used as a bungee cord. Yeah. So you can only imagine what this child would do with an NG tube dangling from her face. Yeah. <laughs> um, so every summer was a dangerous dance uh, of maintaining hydration. Every time she became sick, which is often, she would require hospitalization for hydration because the first thing to go would be she'd stop drinking entirely. Um, The week before her surgery, she virtually got down to nil intake. We had to present at the emergency department a few days before the surgery and they said yeah she's she's dehydrated but we could put you on the ward and yeah. wait and we wait, could put you much. on the ward and wait uh we would have to put in an iv and keep her hydrated that way now my child is a <laughs> i'm just shaking my head like no to no, get to no. get a line into my kid you put her under a general anesthetic mm. That's it. That's the bottom line. So uh, it was like, honestly, do we put her under a general anesthetic now, go through the trauma of an IV and keep you on the ward for four nights or do we send you home and hope that she has a little bit of fruit a day to just basically keep her over the threshold and that was it. Mm. So that's what we did. But wasn't she eating a heap of mandarins? It was watermelon. It was a watermelon. There was a mandarin time. Oh, there, there was a mandarin time. She that was the hi- That was literally what they classed as your hydration for her. That was it. That was it. She wasn't that having was any water because she's on thickened fluid. Is she level two? She was level two. Has she just gone up? She's just gone up. Yeah, so level three. Yeah. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, we're literally talking she was having like this much watermelon mm. in the last couple of days. It was it was scary. Yeah. So since the peg's gone in, though, so she since clearly the peg's needed gone that. In, though, yeah, yeah. We, she's hydrated. Yeah. Oh, she yeah. clearly needed the peg. <laughs> I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know how we thought that she didn't need it because she needed this peg. Um, life, life has changed since the peg, and for the better. Like, uh, we didn't think that she would cope. We thought she would pull it mm. out. You were very worried about that. I was very worried about that. Um, I think she has made the connection that it does good things for it. I think so. Mm. I honestly do. So she's hydrated. um, We had so many wee floods. Yes. (laughs) Once they finally get. Because we never used to have to change her Because. Once they get the hydration they need, it's amazing how much they wee. Oh, my God. (laughs) There's a lot of wee coming out of that human. Whoa. whoa. (laughs) So it's taken us a little while to get on top of the wee. Um, yeah. Do you know what? She had yeah. headaches. We now know she had headaches. Every day she would grab her forehead mm. and we were like, is she seizing? What's happening with her eyes? It was horrible. Mm. Uh, and now that's gone. She doesn't do it anymore. Bless her. Her little body yeah. must have felt awful. But she had no way of telling me that at all. No. 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 So um, the flip side of this now, though, is 
She's got more energy. <laughs> Somehow she's yeah. got more energy. Yeah. If that was even possible. Yeah. Again, for a neurotypical child, that would be a good thing to have more energy in that. But don't get me wrong. It is a good thing. It is. It's a good but. It's a good thing. There's big buts there. But there is, yeah, there's buts, yeah. Mm. Because she used to, she used to go like manic hyperactive and then crash because she couldn't maintain it because she had such poor intake. But now she's just, just manic. Yeah. Full stop. <laughs> All the time. Yeah. Full stop. Yeah. But. We will find new ways of coping with that. Yes. <laughs> but her body is functioning so much her better. Her body even, is functioning so Even since I first met you before the peg when you were tossing up and saying mm. waiting for – you wanted one of the doctors to, do, to, to just go, she needs the peg. Yes. Not leave it up to you. I didn't the decision. Um, since then. Yes. I remember this like, now. Yeah. <laughs> everything's yeah. just flipped around. Even yes. George's – in a way, George's behaviour has flipped I don't know how to describe it. How do you? She was, I don't know whether this sounds wrong, but she, she still hurts me and she's, she's still very physical in her behaviour towards me, but she would have quite sort of angry, mm. vicious, meltdown type, episodes before the peg um and now her behavior is still physical and i i still bleed unfortunately but um it's not it's not aggressive she's not she's not she's not doing it because she's hurting or uncomfortable no yeah it's she's doing it more out of i want to say out of love that's just her way of expressing that but it's definitely not as aggressive no and angry as it used to be. Yes. It was like she was trying yeah. to tell you something before. It was like she was trying to, like you said, communicate in a way how she was feeling. Yeah, yeah. she obviously. And now it's just feel... part of her behaviours. Yeah. yeah. Actually trying to comprehend how she must have yeah. felt. I mean, you know yourself, like if you don't drink enough in a day and it's mm. been hot and you go, oh, mm. I've got a cracking headache and, and you feel lethargic and just awful, like to think that that's how she felt the majority of the time. So long. Horrible. Mm-hmm. So recently you've started sharing a little bit more about the ins and outs of your day in the life of Georgia. Can you tell us a bit more about why and how you came to make this decision as I know it was quite a big decision? Yeah, it was. Um for lack of a better way of saying it, I I felt like I was hiding the truth um, on my Instagram. I was sharing bits and pieces of my day, but I would literally, if I did, oh, sounds horrible. If I did a shot of something in my car, for example, I'd go, oh, you can see the acrod yep. in that shot and I'd move it out the way. Um or, you know, a, a bit of my kitchen, I'd move the big pile of syringes um, so that people couldn't see them. And I, mm. I I, got to a point where, yeah, I felt like I wasn't being authentic to me and that Georgia and this life that I live is, it, it's huge it's, and, and it's not something that I could hide anymore. Mm. Not that I was hiding it from a sense of, 
shame or or anything. I mean, mm. I, I think I initially started to share bits and pieces on Instagram, honestly, as almost a form of escapism from the life that I do live. Yeah. yeah. Um, to just say this this is parts of me without her. Yeah. But in the end, trying to separate the two, it just wasn't working anymore. And mm. um, seeing people like you guys sharing your journey and the way that that has helped other people, I thought I'll never be who you guys are. But even if it one thing I do or share or say helps to make one little part of somebody's day that little bit easier than I want to do it. It's amazing. Basically. And the feedback that I've got from people after sharing has been, has been amazing. Yeah. It, I, I've had so many personal messages for people saying, thank you so much for sharing and then sharing their personal journey with me, like mm. through private messages on Instagram. And I, yeah, it's, it's been really special and I, haven't regretted it for a second yeah. and and I won't look back you know I'm going to continue to share so yeah and that's those getting those messages is what makes you want to yeah. share more isn't it is yeah that, like yeah I don't know, absolutely you, you realize you absolutely. are reaching people because initially you're like oh who's actually going to read this and who is it even gonna mm. you know help anyone at the end of the day and then you get that message and you're like oh my gosh it is reaching people and I am helping people and especially in your situation when it's a syndrome that is so rare imagine if you know I'm assuming maybe you already have had this happen but one day someone's going to be getting that new diagnosis of med 13l they're going to be scrolling through instagram looking for someone and they're going to find you and they're going to be able to message you and you're going to be that person of support for them in that really scary time like when you found the facebook group that's going to be you and that's something that's really special that would be amazing i'm so proud of you yeah (laughs) you too bless i'm so proud of her let's feel the love through the screen so what has been, I guess, reflecting, what has been your biggest struggle over the past seven years? I'm sure we've probably touched on that already, but is there something that you wish you knew before that you want to tell other people now? Like what do you want people to know like after going through what you've been through? Big question. That's a very big question. Mm. What? It's a loaded one. <laughs> That, that question's kind of two questions. My biggest struggle and what I want people to know are two different things. Okay, go. Um, what I want people to know is that, oh, I've said I just feel like I spend my whole life fighting. I fight NDIS. I fight my child. I fight medical professionals. I just, I'm like a heavyweight boxer. I, <laughs> I... I just fight all day long, every day. But what I want people to know is that the fight makes a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it makes a difference. Like the amount of NDIS reviews and battles, if you like, that I've been through, uh, they've made a difference. Mm-hmm. I've won some, you yeah. know. I've, I've lost some. But I've won some battles and those battles help me and help my child in the end. They're bloody exhausting, 
and man it feels monotonous yeah just fighting and saying the same thing over and over again sometimes to a brick wall but every now and then you 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 break down those bricks and you achieve something and it's to your benefit and to your child's benefit so keep fighting i'm gonna i'm gonna well up every day because you will yeah 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 Whew. Whew. Yeah, I'm like, oh, I'm going to go cry in a corner now. No, stop it. Because we all have to get up and fight again tomorrow. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I know. Yeah. We, know we don't got time for that. Um, so your biggest, what would you say your biggest struggle is and maybe maybe your biggest win as well then? Okay. I was thinking about this earlier and the my biggest struggle for the last seven years has been waking up every morning. Oh, God. I knew you were going to say that. Did you? I'm going to cry now. Yeah. <laughs> uh, waking up every morning and doing it again. That's it. That's the biggest struggle. Waking up every morning and knowing it's going to physically hurt. Um, waking up every morning and seeing other families living their happy, living their happy, normal life, for lack of a better word, um, and going to bed with that sort of sinking feeling and then waking up to that same reality the next day. And again. Yeah. That's my biggest struggle. It's hard. Yep. Sorry. No, don't you be sorry. <laughs> I just, yeah. Yeah, I, I just I just think of all the big fights, it's it's the little stuff. Mm. And it's literally waking up with Here we with go it, again. And like just a sinking feeling of I don't want to get out of bed. Mm. I don't want to do this again. But there's literally no other choice. And that that's my reality for forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's tough. But it, being vulnerable and saying that. As you guys like to say. So, like it's. We're in the shit. Sit in the shit. Yeah. We're sitting in the shit right now. Sit, you two are literally sitting, sitting in the, in the same right spot. I pulled you into the you shit. Pulled in the same bed of That's shit. That's fine. Uh, um, no, but honestly, like your vulnerability in saying that because this is something else that I think that we are very good at doing as medical and disability parents is painting a pretty picture and oh yeah, just getting on with it and yep. saying, oh, but you know, I do it because I love them and I wouldn't do it any other way. And But in reality, in reality, like we say it all the time that we wouldn't change anything, but we, we all would. We know oh. that we would and it's something that yep. like yeah. I think, you know, you don't want to change your child because then they're not, then they're not your child. They're not the person that they, they are. But fuck, what if would we change some things? Like, yes. Yeah. yeah. But wouldn't it be easier to yeah. get up in the morning 
and have those neurotypical healthy children? Yeah. Yeah. Wouldn't it be easier to have the life that I pictured for myself where I have a career and I go to work every day and... And it's okay to grieve that. Yeah. Yeah. It's okay to grieve that and to say, yeah, I fucking struggle to get up in the morning. I do. I struggle that this is the way it turned out and this is my life. It's okay to say that and I think being vulnerable and doing that and I think people shy away from it because they don't want to, like it's that typical, they don't want to look ungrateful or that they don't love their child. But everyone in this community. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Everyone in this community wouldn't be be honest if they, yeah. Yeah. I don't get to sleep in. I don't get to throw the kids in the car and Mm. go to the movies. I don't get, I don't get that life. And that's a hard pill to swallow especially it's going to be lifelong for georgia yeah correct yeah yeah there's no end to this for me there's literally no Mm. yeah until i am too elderly to care for her myself this is my life Mm. and when i hear you know when you hear people say you know, oh, but it'll all end one day, like, and then you'll miss them. When you no, know, this is when, when your kids grow up and move out of home, no. you'll miss them, and you'll. I, that's that's not the life that I live. I. She's not going to grow up and fly the nest. She's. She's mine and my responsibility, and I'm her carer. Forever. And that's a that's a harsh reality. That wasn't very uplifting. No, no. let's go now to a win. <laughs> oh, man. Let's flip the script. We can't end it like that. I guess <laughs> I just bought everyone down big time. No, I guess one I guess one thing that stood out from what you've said is the first time yeah. you realised that she saw you. Like that's a huge that's a huge win, right? Yeah, that was a pretty big win. Nah, I tell you what, do you know what it is? The big win is, and it sounds corny, but it's not if you know my child, it is her smile. Mm. Isn't it? Yeah. Oh, my God. Do you know what? Everywhere I take my child, everyone instantly falls in Mm -hmm. love with her. She just has... She just has this quality and this smile. She's beautiful. Oh, my God. And and you think, oh, dear God, you kept me bloody up and I've changed yeah. her nappy I don't know how many times and I'm bleeding, but, my God, yeah. your smile is beautiful. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. perfect. And then you... You couldn't possibly be mad. Oh no, no. <laughs> do you know? Do you know what I love? Like this afternoon when she was actually interacting with Riley and Phoebe when they were playing. Like, yeah. I actually loved seeing that yeah. this afternoon. That that hit my heartstrings because she doesn't do that often. No, she doesn't. Um, no. She actually wanted to play with Riley she and didn't. was saying more and like actually interacting, and it was really, really beautiful to see because we're still pretty much strangers to her yeah it's like we haven't yeah. seen you regularly like no. a sport worker or anything like yeah. that so 
to see her do that and make her happy noises when she's mm-hmm. playing with them and stuff. That her happy, noises. her happy noises are so Aww. cute. Oh, you don't need. She doesn't need words. No, no, does she? Yep, she's no. got her own way of communicating. She yeah. does. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a better note to finish on. Yeah, <laughs> Thank you. Ooh, sorry. Wow. <laughs> I know how to bring you guys pounding all the way down. No, that's the no, real moments. That's that exactly we, what we're here we for. We want. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you, Lizzie. You've been a pleasure. It's been it's been like sitting with a friend, clearly. Yeah. You are a friend. Nice. But yeah, it's very relaxed and chilled. Yeah. Well, it's nice to finally meet you. Yeah, you too. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you for opening up and sharing. And so lovely to hear your story. Now I feel you know how like we chat quite often on social media, but I didn't know your story. So it's really nice to hear your full story. And now I feel like I can connect with you a lot better as well. Um, nice. Yeah, which is nice. I know all about you now. Look yeah. out. I'll be the one that's stalking you. Yeah, do it. <laughs> Stalk me. I hardly get any messages. Yeah. <laughs> well, you might inbox. get an influx of followers now after this, which is nice. Thank you, Lizzie. Have a lovely night. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye.